Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to the Gagan Press, part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Andrew Headspeed and I am joined for a final time this season to discuss all things Liverpool by Mr. Alex Purdy. Sorry about that. Uh, Our resident legacy red. How are you doing, mate? Very good. Obviously got back from Enfield late last night and uh, it was dreamy. It was dreamy, yeah. Actually, I posted a pic on my Twitter and you know we joked about me getting two likes last week yeah mm-hmm. 170 odd this time so right you just, just need, to, really, just need to travel up to Anfield every week with some engagement yeah more more selfies that's what it's all yeah. about yeah. that's what the final that's what fans being back allowed back in the stadiums was all about really wasn't it It was about you getting twitter engagement that was a big takeaway yeah from the final of the season <laughs> yep all right and of course we have Emma Sanders here as well how are you doing Em? Yeah, good. Yeah, I was just obviously saying to you guys off air, a bit tired because we had a late one after work last night because we were celebrating the last day of the season and it was a long, hard shift. And I was on the live text as well. And uh, yeah, we had 10 games between two of us. So it wiped it out of me yesterday. So I am very tired today, but it's my day off. So I get to just chill out. So I'm good. Yeah. How are you, Andy? I'm good. Thank you for asking. It's nice to have one, you know, one polite uh, co-host on this podcast. Thanks. I don't know if you've got any uh, any tweets that bang that you want to sort of plug here as well. At this point, it seems to be a new feature. I mean, I I don't want Pers to feel in- insecure, so I'm just gonna, you know, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, don't I'll keep that to myself. move on, move on. I'm gonna check it. <laughs> I now. did actually. I did see. I think it was a few days ago. You posted a pic of you when you were probably about eight, six oh, years old. I don't know. Yeah. Yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like yesterday morning. Yeah, actually, yeah, that, that one did bang a little bit. I think it was like, well, it got over a thousand likes, but yeah, it was... Um, Real engagement. Yeah, <laughs> yeah basically, oh, it was um, one of my childhood, like, friend's birthday. Uh, so I was her bridesmaid last year. Um, so, yeah, it was her birthday yesterday. So I was sort of um, getting out the old photos to see whether I could find a really embarrassing one of her. And actually... <laughs> One of the one of the boys that in that photo that I posted is her little brother. So I grew up like he was like sort of yeah. I used to play with him yeah. and um, yeah. And then I I know all of the boys that are in it. Like two of them I'm still very good friends with, which I think is actually really sweet. But um, yeah, how, no. I just, how old are you actually in that? Uh, so it's literally just after I moved to England. So I must have been just turned eight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. For anyone who hasn't seen it, it's, it's Emma playing uh, football aged eight and it is incredibly sweet. So yeah, oh, uh, check that out. <laughs> and you know, like when some people like really change, but you, it's, it's just immediately obvious which one Emma is just exactly <laughs> the same face, just, just yeah. shrunk, <laughs> just shrunk, everything just shrunk down. Literally look the same. Yeah. My whole like persona and everything is the same. Like the fact that like the lads are just sort of there, like with, you know, very calm, very nice, sweet smiles. And then I'm just like celebrating with my arms in the air. Like that is just so me down to a T. So yeah, it was quite, quite a nice little photo. Wonderful, wonderful content. Uh, I suppose we should get on to talk about Liverpool then for one final time this season. Uh, Liverpool 2, Crystal Palace nil at Anfield with the fans back. We did it. Finished third. 
Never in doubt, was it, Purds? Never in doubt. Um, it it was a bit it was a bit never nervy actually. No, no, never, doubt. never in doubt through the whole season. Um, no, when when Townsend obviously goes through uh, early on, you're thinking, yeah, we've we've oh god, yeah, we've done all this work and it's all going to come down to Townsend running through on goal. But we made it, and that was basically the only chance they had, and we basically controlled the game from there. So yeah, never in doubt. Mm. Uh, you were there on the day. How was the atmosphere through it? it? How many was, fans were there? Was it ten thousand there? It was ten. Yeah, I think it was ten thousand. Yeah, it was. It was amazing. It was a bit weird because I'm used to seeing it full, but it was much louder than I thought it was going to be. Um, considering mm. it was like what a sixth of the capacity. Um, so we did make a lot of noise, and the send off for uh, Genie, which we'll come on to, was was really nice because. We've seen the the Twitter weirdos have a go in the season, and like you could see what the actual fans thought of him, and just singing his song was just great. Yeah, so you saw from the final day just how irreplaceable actual fans are. I think we all got so used to hearing fake crowd noise that it just became part of part of the experience of watching it on TV. But then when you hear real fans and real reactions, it just sort of hits you like, oh my god, this is just so much, so much better. Uh, Emma, what was your experience of that, that real Anfield crowd being back for the first time in God knows how long? Yeah, I felt a little bit emotional, actually, like just hearing like you'll never walk alone at the beginning, just because, yeah. well, for one, I knew it was the last time this season we would hear it. Um, and yeah, obviously it was actually being sung by fans. It wasn't like it was just being played over like a tannoy. And it was just, um, yeah, you can tell there was a lot more emotion behind it because the fans I had gone... And Liverpool fans have always been very good at this. It's not, they don't just go to watch a game of football. They know that they are there to play a role and that's to try and help the team win. So mm. it was almost like, yeah, just like kind of from the start, it was like they put more effort into that rendition of it than they would do ordinarily. And, you know, just like Liverpool fans just always do that. And it's just, yeah, it was just really nice. And as Per said, um, it was difficult because obviously I was watching five games at once, but you know the, the local <laughs> one was actually one of my sort of main games. That one in the Man City um, towards the end of Man City because of their type of celebrations. But um, yeah, so all that kind of emotional side of it, like you know the genie stuff, it was um, yeah, it was just really nice to sort of yeah, like like Chris said, to actually hear the raw emotion of it. Um, yeah, it's, it's crazy how much the the fan dynamic has changed just the Premier League in general this season I think there's been more away wins you'll probably know some more away wins than ever before in the Premier yeah. League because of and I think that has to be a direct result of that and then from Liverpool's perspective they've won more points away from home than they have at home for the first time you know in their history as well so yeah it just just when you see like Salah or Mane on the ball in the final third and that sort of um the expectation that comes from the crowd and that is just, it's fantastic. And it does sort yeah. of have that sort of sucking effect of bringing <laughs> the ball closer to the goal in a way. So let's just hope that this is sort of the beginning of, um, of the end, that sort of pandemic era of football. And we can get back to, to full Anfield sooner rather than later. There was, um, there was something very early on when I think it might have been when Mane first got the ball um, mm. and the whole crowd just screamed, man on there! And he's like, oh, and like keeps it. And it's like, well, would he have lost it and then sort of lost his confidence and then crumbled in that game if we weren't there? Um, same goes for when Reese Williams ballooned his header over the bar. Like we were, oh, all, yeah. we were all like clapping him like, well done, lad. In the, was that good? Probably not. Um, <laughs> in the we'll Scouse accent. We'll um, let it that out. Yeah, we will. Um, but we were all clapping him like when he was... Uh, doing well because he had a good game actually that was one of his better games um he did it was just like ev everyone grew into that game it felt like and especially Williams and Mane who, who probably need it most um are you taking credit then personally I am because I, I screamed man on pretty much first so yeah he kept the ball and then Pivotal. he ends up scoring twice and we're third so I'm the reason uh, we're third I'm the reason we're third yeah okay great well thank you Purdy yep. Emma Sorry. third in the end uh, I mean, I'll hold my hands up and saying I was one of those people that didn't expect this at all. Um, but we've seen it been called a miracle and one of Klopp's biggest achievements and stuff. And perhaps that is being overblown. Certainly rival fans might might tell you that. But how will we judge this season in its 
entirety now that it's over? I mean, given the circumstances, all things considered, is this a good season? Is this a bad season? Is this just par? I mean, it's hard to know how to judge this exactly. I wouldn't say it's a good season. I'd say it's a disappointing season, but it's a good achievement, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because um, obviously at the start of the season, we would have wanted silverware. We would have been wanting to challenge for the title. That's a no-brainer. Finishing any lower than second to me at the beginning of the season, I would have been like, well, that's an absolute failure. But then with hindsight, seeing of you know all the troubles and uh, the injuries and everything that um, the squads had to deal with and the club as a whole, um, then obviously you've got to have a bit of perspective. So to be able to achieve Champions League qualification, given all of that, is a good achievement. But um, I think I said this on the last pod, like it's not up there as one of Klopp's greatest that I've seen a lot of people say. I don't yeah. I don't understand that argument. Um, so to me, it's not in that bracket, but it is certainly a good achievement um, given all things considered. So um, yeah, the fact that they... You know, that in the last 10 games, it was eight wins and two draws, I think shows um, that not only did they kind of recover from one of the worst starts I've ever seen um, from such a team with that kind of quality, um, you know, and then essentially come back and finish third is pretty, I like that's pretty incredible, really. So, yeah, good achievement overall. Yeah, Perz, your thoughts on that? I don't know what it was in the end. I think it was 30 centre-back and goalkeeper combinations throughout the season. To do that and then still come third, and in the end, what was it, four points off United, five points off United, um, is not bad. Yeah, I think par going into the season would have been a title race. So a B would have been second. But I'll give us a B- minus because we also got to the Champions League quarterfinals. And we cruised the group. Let's not remember that was also one of the hardest groups that was drawn. Um, smashed Atalanta, got past Ajax twice. Uh, Leipzig was was a breeze. And this was all with basically half a squad. Um, so to come third and not that far behind Man United, who have had an incredible season by all accounts, is what I'm hearing. Um, <laughs> it, it is one of, one of the greatest achievements. But yeah, if you're looking at Klopp's five seasons he's had, this would yeah. be the fourth best out of his, I'd say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it is, I think it is still only the, um, I think I saw it was the fifth time this century. So since the millennium that um, Liverpool have finished in the top three, which is mad really. And you think about having done that with, you know, so many key players out of the, out of the running. Um, I think, yeah, for me, it's it's probably more of a sort of C, possibly C minus kind of season. Like, I, I completely agree with Emma that the achievement in itself, particularly with, given what happened in, in the middle part of the season, is is so impressive to come back. Uh, but the Champions League stuff, I kind of don't agree. I think Real Madrid were probably there for the taking and we sort of lay down in that game. And that was where Liverpool got shown up. And that was probably one of the most disappointing parts of the season, especially when, you know, the games against like United and everything came back and we finished the season so strongly. Um, like Chelsea are in the Champions League final. There's no reason Liverpool couldn't have made it given that half of the draw. So mm. that will stand out as a disappointment to me more than anything else. Um, but there you go. Uh, the other sort of talk, one of the other talking points from the final day of the season was uh, Mohamed Salah missed out on his third golden boot, didn't score, and Harry Kane did. So um, didn't get that. But still, I mean, his his record again this season was, you know, incredibly impressive. Uh, Emma, I don't know if you want to jump in on that. Does he go underappreciated again this season? I mean, I feel like he's one of those players that gets talked about being underappreciated so much that he's actually sort of, you know, well appreciated. <laughs> but this season, like, I don't know, where does the where does the appreciation level stand at the moment? Yeah, well, I think the expectation around Salah is so high that, you know, he's scored 21 goals, um, mm. Harry Kane scored 22. And there was a stat going into, you know, going into the fixtures yesterday where I think Harry Kane had scored seven times or something on the final day of the season. And there was only like three players who had also done that. And it was like, oh, yeah, he just has a bit of a knack of scoring on the final day. And um, it just there was just kind of a bit of a feel that Harry Kane was going to score. So, um, yeah. yeah, so I, I obviously did feel sorry for Mo. But when you're getting those kind of numbers and there's such high expectations, naturally, um, it becomes a bit, 
normal. And I think pe people perhaps take it for granted. So I wouldn't say he's underappreciated. I just think he perhaps isn't spoken about among the greats because it's just like a given now that we expect mm. him to score 20 goals in a season. Um, and anything less than that is a disappointment when actually when you sit back and look at it and compare that you know, goal ratio to some of the greatest strikers that certainly the Premier League has seen, but just, you know, English football history as a whole. Um, that is still very, very impressive and it's still absolutely among the best. So um, I do think, I do think he needs to be spoken about more because we, you know, we speak about Alison's header, we speak about, you know, crucial saves and Fabino's role in stepping back and playing centre-back and throughout this whole period, Salah has still, yeah, he might have missed 100 chances, but he's still scored, you know, yeah. over 20 goals. And that, you, you know, and I don't think that's celebrated enough. So, um, yeah, no, I do I do think he is underappreciated. And I think he's still underappreciated by our fans. Um, and I'm not, that's not to say that people don't recognise he's a very good player. But like I say, I think, um, you know, I've written down my player of the season and we'll, I know we'll get onto that. And, and he isn't my player of the season, but you know, perhaps he should be because he just does this consistently. And I think we just take that for granted. So, yeah. It's a strong argument, really, because if you look at everyone else in that team or the key, especially the attacking players, Mane and, and Firmino, for lots of this season, their their form has noticeably dipped, whereas mm. Salah has just been at that almost consistent level. And he doesn't ever seem to uh, to tire or have sort of bad periods. Uh Emma, I don't know about you, but I really missed seeing his daughter on the pitch at the end of the season. That was one of my oh, highlights of like the last couple of years when she comes out and scores like a goal in front of the cop. Um, didn't see that this year, but hopefully uh, that will be back next season. Yeah, I kind of like, until you said that, I didn't really think about that element because I think I was focusing too much on the fans as opposed to like the players. But yeah, yeah no, that is very true because that's always like a really nice touch is to see like the families and to see the kind of the real... Um, I guess day-to-day -day human side of the footballers who in our eyes are like absolute gods and it's like actually you know they, they probably just go to the park on a you know on a Sunday with their family like normal so um, yeah that side of it is always really nice isn't it so yeah yeah I loved it. I think it was a couple of years ago uh, when he was celebrating getting the golden boot and she was out on the pitch and she must have been like four at the time and the ball is like pretty much the same size as her <laughs> and she's just like rolling it from the halfway line into the goal and the cop is just like yeah. cheering her on every time she does it and she's just there and then when she puts it in she gets like this massive roar as if she's <laughs> from the cop and she's just look, looking so around cute. like what, what have I done yeah uh, uh, one man who probably, you know, won't be scoring any more goals in front of the cop. I mean, I guess we hope so now is, uh, is Jeannie Wijnaldum. Uh, his exit was confirmed. I think the sort of worst kept secret in football that he will be leaving now at the end of this campaign. Um, Birds, you're, you mentioned him at the top of this episode. What are your, what are your thoughts on, on him as a sort of modern Liverpool great? He is a legend, basically, isn't he? Because those two goals against Barcelona alone put him as that status, but he's proved it time and time again, getting us into the Champions League against Middlesbrough in 2017. Um, mm. And just the availability this season as well. Like, he's played every single minute, basically. Um, and we're going to miss him so much. And it was I was glad to see that we appreciate him in the stand. And we already had a banner made saying, thank you, Jeannie, um, which, was, which was great to see because... As I said before, it didn't feel like he was appreciated on the Twitter world or whatever. Um, and you could tell he's he's kind of sad to leave as well. So I don't really know what's going on there because there were some interesting quotes and what he said was like, I don't know where I'm going yet. So I'm not sure why he's leaving anyway. And Klopp seems devastated that he's going. So I don't think we've forced him out. Yeah, just well, a weird one. Was the talk was that Klopp wanted him to stay and I think he probably would have stayed, but I think he wanted, what was it, a two-year deal? And I don't think that they right. were, or possibly even a three-year deal, but they weren't, I think the board weren't prepared to commit to that given his age. But yeah, as you say, for a player who is just available for every single game, every minute of every game, and has been such a big part of, of Jurgen Klopp's team since he's been there and has become part of that sort of, that leadership group along with Van Dijk, Henderson and, and Milner, it does seem like such a shame to let him go. Um, I was going to talk about this a little bit later on in the episode as well, but I think finding a replacement for him will be crucial because while Liverpool do have 
other players that can play central midfield. Obviously, Thiago, Fabinho and Henderson are probably going to be the, the main three next season if they're all fit. And you've got uh, Curtis Jones and Naby Keita as well there. But having a player like Wijnaldum, who's got such brilliant ball retention skills and sort of almost never loses possession and is available for every game and brings that leadership to the dressing room, I think is, is yeah, irreplaceable, essentially. Um, so it's definitely going to be a big loss to the Liverpool team, wouldn't you say, Emma? Yeah, absolutely. And the ball retention thing is a big thing for me because while, you know, the other three midfielders um, that you named, Tendo, Thiago and Fabinho being sort of, you know, the, the obvious three starters from now on, um, while they're all, you know, phenomenal players, I don't think they necessarily have the, the same, perhaps Fabinho in isolation, have the same kind of ability to just be able to keep the ball and, um, yeah, sort of control the game in, in that way. So, yeah, for me, I mean, I've said this before, I'd, I'd like to see us, you know, try and go for like, you know, Yves Basuma, who I think is a good player. And he's got mm. that ability to just keep hold of the ball. Um, but yeah, like a player like Wijnaldum, it is really hard to replace. Um, so unfortunately, um, you know, those kind of players that give such amazing service to the club and as Perz says, he is a legend. You, you, you won't ever replace that. You know, you might get a better player in, but you're not, you're not going to replace that personality. You're not going to replace that, you know, that, that legacy that that player's had. So um, he is irreplaceable. Yeah, for sure. I feel really protective over him as well. I don't want him to go to Barcelona because it just seems like such a, a train wreck of a club at the moment. I was like, no, go somewhere nice. You know, where else can you go? Uh, but yeah, we will see where he ends up. Uh, Emma, who else is, have we possibly seen the last of then? Um, Adrian is out of cont- contract in the summer. What other names do you sort of expect not to play for Liverpool again? Interestingly, I was having a conversation about this uh, last night with a colleague. And I was saying, I think there's a couple of players who um, perhaps eyebrows would be raised if they were, if they did move on. But then I think their market value and the money that we would perhaps get for them, we could probably improve the squad. Um, So I, you know, the likes of Shakiri, for example, I wouldn't be too upset to see moved on if we got decent price. Even Navigator, Mm. you know, I'd love to see Navigator succeed at Liverpool, but I do think you know, as as the sort of seasons go on. And it's been three seasons now, isn't it? Yeah, and kind of like his market value is lowering each year. So, you know, probably if he's not really done it yet or if Klopp doesn't really believe 100% that he really is going to kick on to the heights that, that obviously they expected him to, then try and get a bit of money for him now. Um, and very controversially, I think, you know, I think we might come on to this, but... Nat Phillips, um, I wouldn't be surprised if he was him. No. I, I personally want us to keep him because I think he'd be a really solid third or fourth, third or fourth centre-back choice. But again, because of the season that he's had, I think the, the market value for him will be pretty high. And if you can sell him and then, you know, bring in, kind of put that towards bringing in a top-class striker or even bringing in a more experienced third choice or fourth choice centre-back. Um, that might benefit Liverpool in the long term. So, yeah, there are a couple of names that I would point out. Mm. I mean, it's just a shame Bournemouth didn't win their playoff game. Otherwise, you know, they'd be paying 40 million for him, <laughs> wouldn't they, as, as standards? Yeah. Um, Perds, any other names you'd, you'd throw in there? I guess Origi is probably the other obvious one as well. Yeah, Maybe yeah. Minamino too would be ones that would sort of make way. Not that we've seen either of them much this season. No, yeah, I think it's time to get Origi off the books. Again, cult hero. But um, someone like Wolves would pay twenty million for him, and like we could just like us just in this market. Are you sure? Mm. Uh, no, <laughs> didn't think about that. <laughs> um, Flash out strikers as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah I oh, I don't ten. know what we do with Minamino. To be honest, he another loan maybe. But then, if look, if someone comes in for enough money, like let's let's. Let's get him off the books as well, which is like a shame to say because I wanted him to succeed. But another loan is basically just like another Harry Wilson, isn't it? He's just never going to work out. Mm. I mean, the other one that sort of threw a spanner in the works for me was before the last couple of games of the season, I kind of expected Oxlade Chamberlain to leave this summer uh, based on the fact that he hadn't really played that much over the last two seasons and his career seemed to be stalling a bit. But... Uh, 
being as easily persuaded as I am, he scored a really nice goal against Burnley. <laughs> and then suddenly I think mm, maybe he's still got a role to play. I don't know. I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on, on him. I mean, like Wijnaldum, just another lovely guy who I just like having around the squad. But I just, I don't know if I ever see him being that major part of the team again. In the way that he was in the first season that he came in, 2017-18, I thought he was pretty good. But since then, it's been a big nothing. He has this knack of when he is available, having an impact. Mm. And it's like, well, I think, yeah, you mentioned his goal against Burnley and yet obviously you can't judge him on one goal, but he does that quite often where he doesn't play for 10 games and comes back and he scores. Like he just has a knack. or Genk or whoever it was in the Champions League, he did that as well. Yeah, exactly. So it's like that in itself, I think shows his quality that he doesn't, even when he's been away for a while, he doesn't need 10 games, you know, like Navigator does, for example, you Mm. know, the games to get back into fitness. Like he can just come in and have an impact. So personally, I still think Oxley Chamberlain can have a really big future at Liverpool. He just has to stay fit. I think if he hasn't, if if we keep him on the books for next season, and it, you know he's injury prone again, then that's it. I think you know that's him done. But yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I just think he's he's got too much quality, and he's got something different which our other midfielders haven't got. So especially if you're looking at perhaps getting rid of Navigator, then then it's a no-brainer for me to keep hold of Watson Chamberlain. I don't think you can. I don't think you can lose both. Yeah, we've got no one like him, as in no one that scores from midfield because all our goals come from our strikers. So. We have to keep him if we can, for as long as we can. Um, Is the hope but... not that Curtis Jones becomes that kind of goal-scoring midfield player? I mean, if you look at Chamberlain's record, he doesn't score that many. He does score, he sort of tends to score quite important goals or quite flashy goals, but he's not a 10 or 15 goal a season kind of player. No, but none of our midfielders are even a three goal a season. Like he might get four, <laughs> which is which is good. Get Allison um, up there. But I, but I think he has the potential to be that player, though, and that's that's what I mean. Like if he actually stays fit, then you know if if he if he can score three or four goals in a season where he's basically not played, then you know imagine what what he could do if if he played sort of thirty games. And he'd like to think that you know he might be able to hit more like sort of eight, nine, like those kind of numbers. Um, I, I agree with Curtis Jones. I think Curtis, Curtis Jones is going to be absolutely huge. But mm. at, at the moment, um, I think Curtis Jones is playing a bit more of a deeper role and doing well there. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think Ox it is still very different to people that we've got. All right. You've sold it to me, Ox Space. <laughs> Um, I guess the final uh, question or joint question is about the two centre-backs, uh, Nat Phillips and Reese Williams. I mean, they've both done amazingly, but um, particularly Nat Phillips in the second half of the season. Uh, you touched on it before, Emma, with Nat Phillips. His value has never been higher. I mean, really, literally, it's never been higher. And um, so what do we see is the sort of next logical steps for both of them? Personally, my view is that I would like to see Nat Phillips stay and be that third or fourth choice centre-back as long as he wants to be there. I think it's amazing to have homegrown players in your squad and he's he's totally earned the right to be that given his performances this season. Reese Williams, I, I personally think, would benefit from a loan and probably that would be um, championship or, or lower in Premier League level next season to see, to see where he's at. I don't think he's quite right for the squad next season given that we'll probably go out and get another centre-back. Um, Perds agree, disagree on that? 100% agree, yeah. Keep Phillips, Williams loan. Um, probably to a, a championship side, so he's not thrown in at the deep end again, although he has done just about enough. Um, it's mad, isn't it, given that he was playing non-league football last season to yeah. go from whatever yeah. it was, the seventh tier to the Premier League in, in one year. Crazy. And the Champions League. And the yeah. Champions League. And I he think, excelled um, in the Champions League as well. They were like his best yeah. games. Yeah, it was class. I think I mean, Bournemouth, uh, like you said before, because they'll spend big on a loan. <laughs> um, yeah. um, and they sort of, they don't sit back either. And like, we need some, like, I don't want him at like uh, West Brom, where he's going to sit in a three and just head it out. Because he, he's mm. more than that. And he's going to be more than that if, he's, if he works at Liverpool. So he needs to be a more attacking side, you know, your Bournemouths, etc. Cardiff, something like sure. that. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> um, yeah, all right. A- Emma, your, your take on, on Reese Williams. He got uh, sort of another... Both centre-backs got sort of nasty cuts to the eye on the last game of the season, yeah. just like sort of making that metaphor literal of how much they put their bodies on the line for Liverpool <laughs> this season. Yeah, give God for the team. Um, yeah, well, like I said before, like I do think 
it wouldn't surprise me if if, if Liverpool sold Nat Phillips, but I'd, I'd I'd love us to keep him for the same reasons as you. I just think it'd be really nice on mm. homegrown. But then, while you, I agree, you said like he's deserved the kind of the right to be in the squad. I also think he's deserved the right to go and play week in week out first team football. So he he, he he might want to go somewhere. Um, Williams, I'm a little bit unsure on whether or not it's it is might might sound harsh, but I just I I don't think. There's enough in his sort of raw ability for me to think that he can have a future in the long term at Liverpool. So I'm not sure whether just selling him outright to a championship club might be the best thing as opposed to a loan. Um, maybe even with a buyback clause in the same way we've yeah, seen with people yeah, like Brewster. Yeah, something or... along that lines. So, um, but yeah, look, I wouldn't be I, I wouldn't be opposed to him going out on loan. But I just think, yeah, perhaps perhaps selling him, like say with a buyout, buyback clause, might probably be the best thing. He played an important part in uh, in the first goal uh, yesterday, which was really nice to see. But he did, you mentioned this before, Perz, he missed that header, which was such a sitter. I felt really bad for him. I can't believe he was um, in that much space. Yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, oh, well. But yeah, overall, I think he's done, I think it's such a shame when you see like the idiots on Twitter getting on yeah. his back and Nat Phillips as well, because like they, they didn't choose to be in this situation, obviously. <laughs> Um, and I think they've like performed exceptionally well given the circumstances. And to finish third um, with those two at centre back, I mean, it's not just like we finished third despite them at centre back; it's we finished third because of them at centre back, yeah. and that is really an amazing thing, which will always sort of make them cult heroes at Liverpool, whatever, whatever happens next. Uh, we'll take a quick break there, and when we come back, we'll be doing our uh, season reviews. All right, uh, we're back. Let's get into it then. The season's over. It's time to dissect it. It all comes down to this. I'll throw it to you first, Purdy, and then to Emma. We're going first. Big one, player of the year. Who have you got? Liverpool player of the year, obviously. I don't want you naming like... Of course, of course. Well, it was going to be the same anyway. It's going to be Mo Salah. (laughs) (laughs) Because, I mean, we've already spoken about it, so I'll just just, uh, repeat what we said. Uh, Most consistent player for us, and without his goals, I dread to think where we'd be. So it's him. Probably like Arsenal or something. Yeah. Um, Emma, you mentioned before you teased us by saying that your player of the year wasn't Mo Salah. So who have you gone for? Um, I went for Fabinho just because I think, given the fact that it was such a crazy, unusual season, that I think off the pitch and his role as a leader, um, I think he added so much more than I think anyone would have expected from him this season. You know, he stepped up massively. Um, to be that player that sacrificed essentially his whole season because he was playing out mm. of position um, for the good of the team. Um, and I just think, yeah, that sort of, I think, you know, we talk about obviously Nat Phillips and Reese Williams' success, but, you know, they, they learned off Fabinho this season. And I think, you know, you've got to give Fabinho credit for the work that he did, not only um, being, you know, when he came back into the midfield, he was by far the best one on the pitch for like the first two yeah. games. Um, he's got the best out of Thiago since moving back um, but yeah like I say I think he's he's improved the players around him uh, those young players coming through and yeah he's sort of taken one for the team this season so he's uh, yeah kind of my my player of the season mainly for that reason oh, I'm torn now I was going to go with Salah and but you've just you've persuaded me Emma so I'm going to change my vote and oh, go for Fabinho God. as well <laughs> so yeah Fabinho gets it official Gagan Press pod player of the year is Fabinho um, uh, Emma, let's go you first this time. Young player of the season. Yeah, I've been raving about him all season. I do think he's he's um, had a bit of a quieter second half, but Curtis Jones for me is just, mm-hmm. um, especially the first half, he was kind of the shining light, I think, in a lot of sort of um, the kind of the, the tough weeks. And um, I just think his maturity has just gone through the roof. Um, and I'm really excited to see how he kicks on next season because I think he can be a... Um, a huge, huge player in the history yeah. of the if he keeps going on this trajectory. So it was that was the easiest, easiest one of the whole the whole picks, I think, was Curtis Jones as a young player. Yeah, real gem it seems like we've got there. Perds agree, disagree? Uh well this depends on where the age cutoff is. Because is it 24? Uh no, nah, I mean I think 22, I think. Let's go with yeah, it has to be. 22 or under because okay. I'd, I'd say Nat Phillips as well but I don't think he's, he's I was actually going to say Jota <laughs> Jota is uh, 24 
Yeah, no, I'm not having that either. No, fine. Okay, I'll go. (laughs) Basically, it's either got to be Jones or Williams, I think. I don't think there's anyone else who really qualifies. Hang on. I was going to say Trent. Been out on loan. I was also going to mention him. What about Trent? How old's Trent now? Yeah, I think Trent's 22, 23. 22. Trent Alexander-Arnold for me. Um, He had a sticky start, but then um, just turned it around as soon as Southgate sort of pissed him off with leaving, leaving him out. And he was instrumental in that last run-in in getting us uh, into the top three. Um, because mm. the game, one of the games that gets unno- unnoticed is um, the Aston Villa one, where he scores in the 91st yeah. minute. Uh, and like that sort of was the start. That's when we first won at home after losing six. Uh, so that sort of broke the duck there. So like, it's got to be him for me. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's amazing in those games, uh, sort of in the second half of the second half of the season where he sort of came back really strongly and you see him as such an attacking presence and like he'll just pop up like for that goal, for example, he's essentially on left wing and the yeah. way he drives forward. There's no other in fullback. Essentially, there's no other sort of right back in, in world football that gives you the same kind of things that he does. And like I can understand all the logic and all the sort of reasons on paper why you would leave him out for Trippier Walker and, and potentially Rhys James. But I think just to have somebody that would give you something different and to give you that that option as a sort of a, an auxiliary right winger or a playmaker from right back, I just don't think that any of the other players will give you anything close to Trent Alexander-Arnold, even when he's not having his best day defensively. Uh, so for me as well, yeah, I think I agree with Emma that Curtis Jones had another great season in terms of his progression <laughs> but person oh. with you i'm gonna say yes. that it has to be trent Alexander <laughs> just for the entirety of the campaign even though he's not really i know he is young but he's been wow. out for ages okay yeah. <laughs> uh purds give me your game of the season then um i'm going to go with atalanta away five nil oh nice yeah Good shout. i, I yeah. i was very nervous going into that one and then sort of just sat back and watched it unfold as we dismantled them and Jota like it, that was when I realized okay we've we've signed another Mane here we've we've done a world-class mm. bit of transfer business there and he could be massive for us in the future um because he's just and then so he got naturally, injured yeah <laughs> and then he's out for the whole season yeah but like in the future he he could be massive and like we don't need to go looking for Mbappe even though I'd quite like him because in you know, next season he could have a massive role to play if Firmino starts dropping deeper or whatever. He could, he could be fighting out there for the golden boot. I think. Uh, Emma, your game of the season? It's probably a bit of an obvious one, but it's it's the Man United game for me. Um, just nice. oh, yeah. because, well, one of the main reasons actually was um, the player that we were just talking about, Trent. I think that was one of the best performances I've seen from him um, for Liverpool, and it was mm. just. I don't think I've ever got so much enjoyment watching a right back play football. Like it was just amazing. Um so yeah. Trent, isn't it? I mean, it just changes yeah. that position completely. Yeah. And yeah, like you say, you sort of provide something that others don't. And it was just it was just a joy to watch him in particular in that game. But obviously what was at stake for Liverpool, the fact that it was the first win at Old Trafford since 2014 in the Premier League. Um mm. obviously, you know, scoring four four goals. It was just like everything was just really good. And the fact that I live in Manchester and um, for me, that's you know the, the United game for me is the biggest one of the season. Don't get me wrong, Merseyside derby is obviously huge, but as somebody who doesn't live in Liverpool, it's uh, it's all about the United game for me. So uh, yeah, I just I just I, you can't top that for me personally. Uh, yeah, hundred percent agree. I'm gonna have to go. I mean, there were some other really good games. The Tottenham game back when that seemed like a title decider back in December or whatever <laughs> that was. That was a great yeah. game when Firmino scored that uh, late header. Um, and I mean, the Leeds game and the opening game of the season as well was a bit of a, a classic, uh, but probably mm. I'll, I'll go with Emma and say the, the Man United game as well. Honourable uh, mention for Palace away, 7-0. Oh, uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, not really one for the neutrals, but it was a great performance. And it, was, <laughs> and it was probably the last good performance we had before everything went to yeah. shit. It was. Emma, goal of the season for you. Let's go through the rest Silly of this question. quickly. Alison, move on. Yeah. <laughs> Birds, are we agreeing with that? Yeah, Alison, yeah. 
<laughs> uh, I've got this later on, but should we just go to it now as well? Best moment of the season. Are we also going to double down yeah. and say Alison's best moment so. of the season? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> has to be. Absolutely has to be. Um, okay, so goal and best moment of the season go to Alison Becker. Uh, and that's for the goal against um, the West, West Brom, was West it against? Brom. Yeah, 90-ish. Yeah. 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 I think it was a header. I think it was a header. Yeah, yeah. A little bit... Uh, more negative now but biggest uh disappointment as a player rather than as a performance or anything Perds, who have you who have you got um it's got to be Naby Keita for me I thought he was gonna sort of have his finally have his breakthrough season uh going into the times this. of charm yeah I had him in my fantasy starting lineup I was like this is oh, it no. he's gonna she's this is Naby season this is it. Um, it's all your fault, basically, because yeah, you yeah. had him in the fantasy team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I ruined it for him. Bless him. But yeah, I think that this season made me realise I need to just stop hyping him up. And unfortunately, it's done for him, I think. I have, I have a feeling he will be good where he goes next, whether that's like, I think yeah. I've seen like Atletico Madrid links or maybe somewhere like Roma or just like that next sort of, Maybe Atletico Madrid is not a tier down, but if he goes to another sort of club in a different league, I think he can he can do great things. But just for whatever reason, because of injuries and whatever else, it just hasn't clicked at Liverpool, and it's such a shame to keep sort of hoping for the next season. And I'm not sure they will because of the market. But if a club does want to offer us sort of 20, 30 million for him, I think Liverpool oh, would be wise to yeah. take it at the moment. Uh, Emma, are you going for Naby as well? Have you got another player listed for disappointment? Sadio Mane for me. And like, I yeah. absolutely love him. I think he's uh, still still a world-class player. I think he's a better team and, and he's brilliant. Again, that's really good. Um, it's, it's so hard to, to knock him. But at the levels that he was at, to have the drop-off that he did was just so big that um, I never, ever would have predicted that at the start of the season. I mean, I wouldn't have predicted most of the season. But even given everything else that's happened... Um, the drop-off in Mane's uh, performances this season, for me, have just been such a disappointment. So, um, yeah, hopefully he comes back. The old Sadio next season. Yeah, 100%. And we did, I guess, in the last sort of three to five games of the season, we did start to see that as, as well, and he was playing mm-hmm. a lot better. And one of the things I noticed, there was a lot more sort of interchange of passes between him and Salah. And you just and it was just sort of this light bulb moment where I was like, oh yeah, they are really good when they play together. They're both <laughs> yeah. so quick and so technically good. And for so much of the season, for whatever reason, we haven't seen that. And I don't want to fuel the nonsense tinfoil hat rumours that they really hate each other. But it just felt like for a lot of the season that, especially Mane, he was trying to take too much on by himself yeah. rather than using Salah and using the rest of the team. And... Um, yeah, I mean, you saw from yesterday's performance, but when he does play in Salah or when Salah plays in him, and they're just a, they're a devastating force together. So hopefully um, that will be the case again next season. But yeah, I have to agree with that. I think Mane has been the sort of the biggest disappointment in terms of Liverpool players this season. Uh, f- final negative one then, worst worst moment of the season, either game or anything else that happened. Emma, I'll go to you first on that one. Yeah, I actually had written down the Villa 7-2, but when you mentioned the Real Madrid game earlier, um, I was like, that's a great shout. Um, so I'm going to go with, with the Real Madrid game because I agree. I think they were absolutely there for the taking and Liverpool just didn't show up and it was an awful performance and um, there mm. seemed like no, no fight. And the Champions League for me this season just seemed a bit meh the whole way. It's my favourite competition in world football. Um I absolutely love everything about it. And more than the conference, the new conference. <laughs> it's seen a close it yet, one. So. Um, but yeah, no, it's just one of those where it's just everything about it felt flat. And um, it was just a real kick in the teeth to go out in that manner against that team mm. and that team playing that poorly as well. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go for the Real Madrid game. Uh, Perds, what do you got? There's <sighs> so many. Um, there was the Leicester capitulation when we were oh, one up with like 15 to go. There was Van Dyke getting injured for the season early on in the Everton game. There was probably, the Everton VAR I mean, decision. Um, yeah, that Everton game was a killer, but I guess the point is that we didn't really know how much of a killer it was at the mm-hmm. time. At yeah, the time. just awful. Um, my one, uh, I don't really have any reasoning for this, is when... 
Dominic Calvert-Lewin scored a penalty to make it 2-0 at Anfield. Um, and it's the first time ever I've turned the TV off and not watched the whole Liverpool game. I missed the last 10 minutes. I was just, <laughs> I was fuming and I left the house and I went and got drunk and that was it. Just couldn't be arsed with Liverpool. I was an all-time low as a fan, Everton, Everton at home this season. Oh, well, um, yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. I mean, Everton is always one of those games that you you like, you kind of expect to to win. And, and it hasn't been like that for a while where you go into that game, just it, it kind of knowing there's, there's this kind of inevitable sense of, of dread. And I think it was like we were outplayed and we were in that rut and in the middle of that run and it just looked like that we were going to lose that right from the off and we did and just so nothing. disappointing because I thought we'd fire ourselves up for it and it was just flat again so flat so that was why I was just furious at the at the lads unfortunately yeah I mean seven that seven two it seemed like such an anomaly and it, because it was really early on in the season I don't feel like it affected me so much other than it's just a what WTF kind of mm. moment yeah. Uh, Real Madrid, I think, was was much more of a, a killer along with Everton, and then any of those six straight home defeats, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I didn't want to end on a negative there. But we've already done best moment, so we could just we could just spend a couple of minutes just reflecting on Alison again. Best, yeah, what about best moustache or you know, and then <laughs> best, best moustache, yeah, best goalkeeper goal. Um, also, best moment I would say probably the president of Namibia tweeting. Oh uh, god, yeah! Atting Liverpool on Twitter—that was a big moment as well. That was impressive. I quite enjoyed the Jurgen Klopp, Des Kelly argument for about fifteen <laughs> minutes on BT Sport. Oh, god. That was quite funny. Yeah. yeah, that was very, very impressive. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, I remember the first time Van Dyke uh, put on his instagram like a video of him training again and i don't think i've ever been so excited to see legs moving along some grass and i was like oh, yeah. So, yeah it's like it was like a movie trailer dropped or something it was, it was just yeah. it was crazy it was like oh. is this the new avengers or what <laughs> amazing yeah um all right and then that's pretty much everything covered but just then before we go i'm gonna leave you with one question obviously the season's over and uh soon the transfer market will be open once again we've spoken a little bit about the players that we think will leave what positions then are we expecting uh to come in this summer i mean it's probably all going to depend on depend on finances and we don't quite know how that looks yet but what players emma would you expect liverpool to be to be looking for this summer oh expect as opposed to one i mean i want us to bring in a striker i don't think we will uh I, but I'm if expect- a really goes, you'd expect them to get somebody, surely. I mean, I've, no? I've felt like that for like the last two seasons, three seasons. And we've only really brought Jota in like those last three seasons. And obviously, it's a great signing, signing, but he, for me, he's not an out-and-out out striker. Um, no. I just, for some reason, we just, Klopp doesn't want an out-and-out out striker. Um, so I'd be surprised. But I, I think we'll be, I, I would expect us to sign a defender because I think, you know, Matip, Williams, Phillips, two of those three will go, whether that be out on loan or go permanently. I can't see all three yeah. of them staying. So I think I expect us to sign a defender. I would like us to sign both the, an out and out striker and a defender. And, and like I say, probably somebody like Yves Basuma to replace Ronaldo. I'd be happy with mm-hmm. those three. Yeah, I would agree with that. The only one I'd throw in there is probably a backup goalkeeper, which is always like the least exciting transfer yeah. that you can possibly yeah. imagine. Uh, but with Adrian going as well, and I don't know quite what the plan is for Kelleher, whether he's going to go out on loan or continue his second or third choice, but probably they need somebody to come in that role. Perds, um, anyone you want to add to that? I mean, Mbappe, Haaland, yeah, Messi, you, you had down yeah. on your <laughs> yeah. No, to be honest, I think our start at 11 is good enough to win the league next season. Um, so this but is the problem about, is City have got two starting levels. Well, this is it. This is why it's about not breaking the bank over one player, i.e. Mbappe. I wouldn't be opposed to it. It's about <laughs> getting these like sneaky deals done for 20 mil who come in and like, oh my god, they're actually they're great and they're they're fighting for a starting place. And we can throw them in when someone inevitably gets injured and we don't feel the effects as much, like your Basumas or your Canates. You know, we don't we don't need a Haaland, basically, I think. More jotters. That's what you're More saying. Jotters. 
Yeah. I'd like yeah. us to sign cover, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Young I mean, player of the season. Oh, shit, yeah, I forgot he counts as a young player of the season. It's a good actually, point. I wouldn't give it to him, but yeah. I mean, Kurt, Curtis is still mine, but yeah. So I was going um, on Diego Jota, I just realised the other day that his that's not his real name. That's a that's a nickname, and it just what? means just it's just Diogo J. Because apparently at school there were so many Diogos that he was, and his his middle name is like Diogo Jose. So they all just called him uh, Diogo Jota or Di- Diogo. Oh, Diogo J. Jose Teixeira da Silva. Well, let's start calling yeah. him that from now on then. Yeah. So oh Dave God. J. I think is his real name. Crazy. Wow, was this like the the massive um, like cliffhanger in the in the Van Dyke movie part of the trailer? Like, <laughs> yes, this exactly. is actually yeah. <laughs> wow. who is Dave J. Well, I mean, on that bombshell, I didn't quite expect to see the season going out in quite this way, but there you go, a uh, little reveal about Diogo Jota. Um, that's it. That's all we've got time for this season. Uh, thank you so much for listening. If you can, please drop us a review, subscribe, whatever. We very much appreciated. Um, we'll be back with you. I mean, I'm not sure. We might be back over the summer to discuss transfers or anything. We'll play that by ear. Keep mm. watching the socials and checking the feed. But until then, I mean, Emma, say goodbye one last time. Bye, guys. Oh, anything, anything else you want to add to that, or just? Uh... Uh, no, I was like, I feel like you've done such a lovely sign-off. I didn't want to. I mean, it's yeah. all been ruined now, but yeah. Uh... <laughs> No, yeah, I uh, thought Chuck- it was a lovely sign off. So I was just gonna let let your let your voice do the talking while I sort of waved in the background. Uh, ruined it now. Just chuck in a Euros prediction. Who's gonna win the Euros? England. Which Ooh. Liverpool player? Oh. Right, so Jordan Henderson. Hendo. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Perds, who have you got for the Euros? Yeah, Hendo. Why not? And Trent, you know, not part of the squad. He just runs on the pitch and lifts it. <laughs> just John Terry style. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> lovely stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, cheers once again, guys. And thank you for listening. Uh, See you next time. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.